opportunity and how encouraged I am to see this great crowd today. It's always a great encouragement. And I'm thankful for the vid visitors that are here today. We hope that y'all will come back anytime you can. Um, if you will, turn to First, First Thessalonians 5.16. I invite you to bring out your Bible so you can test everything I have to say. So First Thessalonians 5.16. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. You know, what a bold statement here by Paul. Paul simply says, Rejoice. I say that's a bold statement because, you know, life is hard. And there's so many things in this life that weighs us down. You know, we have so many responsibilities in our life that will just wear on our heart. And we have burdens. And oftentimes we have so much sin in our life that will weigh on us so heavily. You know, not only are we weighed down by our own burdens, but often we are put, put under intense trials and temptations in our life that we know not the reason for. Tribulations that will grind on our heart, making us see no way out. So how can I rejoice in my life when all these bad things are happening, happening to me? You know, like we think to ourselves, Paul, how can you say this? You know, there's no joy in my life right now. What is there to rejoice in when everything seems bleak in this world? You know, these are the thoughts and feelings that I know most of us have experienced in our lives. And maybe you're experiencing these feelings right now. And if you are, this sermon certainly is for, for you today. And I hope that it will encourage us today. Because we live in a discouraging world. And it's hard to rejoice always. But I hope by the end of this sermon, we will see that we have many reasons as Christians to rejoice always in our lives, no matter the circumstances. The first thing that we must understand to rejoice always is simply to understand what rejoicing or having joy is. A lot of times this idea of joy, I think, is very misconstrued. You know, I think a lot of people think this idea simply means to be happy, you know, but having joy is a little different than the emotion of happiness. Because there are times in our lives where we just aren't going to be happy. And the Bible even tells us that. In Ecclesiastes, it tells us there's a time to mourn and a time to laugh. And you know, you look at that statement and you say, well, did the Bible contradict itself? No, it's, it's because joy, in a sense, transcends from the simple emotion of being happy. Joy, in a biblical sense, is more of a state of being rather than the emotion of happiness. Happiness in our lives usually depends on our situation, but joy is your good attitude toward any situation that you go through in your life. And as we go on through the sermon, we'll understand more the idea of joy. You know, now that we have kind of a grasp on the idea of joy, in order to use that joy, we have to know what to put our joy in. Then we must understand why we can rejoice always as Christians. And thirdly, see why it is so necessary in our lives. To rejoice always, we have to put our joy into something or someone. You know, what is that something that we as Christians should put our joy in? We put it in the Lord. So turn to John 15. John 15. John 15, verses 10 through 11. Verse 10 through 11, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So this is it. This is what we put our joy in. We put it in the Lord. In verse 11, Jesus is giving that picture that the joy of the Lord can literally remain in us. In other words, it will dwell with us. Then right after that, right after that, it says the Lord dwells in us so that our joy may be full. And do you, do you see why I'm saying to put our joy in the Lord or let it dwell in us? Because if we do that, we'll have joy, as it says in verse 11. And then, but look at verse 10. You know, there's a condition to having this joy of the Lord, letting it dwell in us. That condition is we have to keep his commandments, but also we simply have to abide with him. And what I, what I mean by that is this verse is saying, if you want the joy of the Lord in your hearts so that you'll be joyful, you have to stay around it, you know? You have to dwell with God and keep his commandments. You know, that makes sense, doesn't it? Have you ever had a friend in your life who's just joyful? He's always happy. And then every time you hang out with that friend, you know, you leave and you're, you're kind of joyful, right? I mean, all of us have, have had that experience in our lives. And, you know, it's the same idea here. You know, since God is joy, then if we dwell with him, then we can have joy and he will fill us up with that. So to get this joy, we must abide with him and follow his commandments. And we must understand there is conditions to the joy of the Lord. And, you know, think about how lucky me and you are to experience this wonderful joy. Because not everyone does. You know, not everyone wants to abide and follow God's commandments to experience that joy. But we do. Another way to have joy is through trusting in Him. Turn to Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the joy of hope fill you with now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we will be filled with joy as we believe in Him. You know, some translations say that as we trust in the Lord. You know, if we trust in the Lord, He will fill us with joy. And as we go through this sermon, we're going to see just how joy is very similar with the idea of trust. You know, now I want to look further into why we should put our joy in the Lord or why we can always rejoice in Him in our lives. We must rejoice in the Lord because the Lord brings us hope. And hope is some, certainly something to rejoice in. But what's so good about hope? And what is the hope that we as Christians have? Turn to Ephesians 1.18. Ephesians 1.18. This verse will just tell us a little bit about the hope that we as Christians have. Ephesians 1, verse 18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. No, from this we see that the hope that we have is heaven. No, a glorious inheritance that Paul is saying here. The hope which God has called us to is heaven. Now I want us to look back over to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. 
when Paul is writing here to the Thessalonian church, he says to rejoice always, as we mentioned earlier. But before Paul gives them this statement, to rejoice always, you look in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It's talking about all about the day of the Lord, His coming, Him coming to take us to heaven. And you know, I think, I'm sure Paul did this for a reason. You know, the Thessalonians needed some help, hope in their life. They needed encouragement. And they needed something to look toward to rejoice in their lives. And that was the hope of Jesus coming back. The hope of heaven. And then Paul says, rejoice always. So we can rejoice always because we have the hope of heaven. And you know, just to further submit the idea that the Lord certainly is coming back. And there's a reason to rejoice in it. Turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24 verse 44. Matthew 24, verse 44, it says, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Lord is coming back. He's coming back to take us to heaven if we are faithful. Now turn to Revelations 21. Revelations 21. Revelations 21, verse 4. It says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You know, here in Revelation, God gives us a description of heaven and how wonderful it will be, how wonderful that hope is. You know, that description is so amazing. I mean, the idea of no tears, no crying is such a wonderful picture. And God gives us this hope of a wonderful land that we will be with Him, where there will be no tears if we live a faithful life. There is a hope to rejoice in because this hope is so amazing that the Lord gives us. The reasons why we as Christians must rejoice in this hope that God has given us is because it is constant. The hope that God has given us will never change. It never fails. Turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, here we see that we should put our joy in our, in our, in our hope because God is faithful to that hope. God is faithful to what he has promised us. And that is a reason to rejoice. The next reason why we need to put our joy in the Lord is because He gives us the gift of salvation in our lives. Our salvation is a, re a reason to rejoice always. Turn to Psalms 13. Psalms 13. Psalms 13, verse 5. It says... But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. You know, here we see the psalmist doing exactly that. Rejoicing in the salvation that God brings us. Now look over to Psalms 35. Psalms 35, verse 9. Verse 9, it says, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. Now turn to Isaiah 61. 
Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, 10. Here Isaiah is going to give us the picture of how he describes that salvation. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You know, Isaiah here is describing that salvation that God has given us. He clothed us in the garments of salvation. He covered me with the robe of righteousness. God made us right through that salvation. No, what is so good about this salvation, though? Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23-25, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as, as a propitiation by His blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God has passed over the former sins that were previously committed. So we see here, because we were sinful, God justified us. God justified us freely. Now that's why this salvation is so amazing, why it's something we should rejoice in, because it simply saves us from eternal death, and it gives us a wonderful hope in heaven. A hope in seeing the Lord once again. Surely, we as Christians do have something great to rejoice in. And the point that I want to get across from all this is we have to put our joy in things that are constant. Things that are faithful. Things that never change. And that is the things that God promises to us. And we must trust in them. Because they will always be there. But to actually experience it, we must trust in his promises and abide with our Lord. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1, 3 through 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, this verse tells us what to put our joy and our trust in. In verse 3, it talks about the hope. And then in verse 5, it talks about his salvation that he gives us. And then you look in verse 4, what kind, what is this? It's an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade. It does not change. It is there forever if we just follow it. So certainly we must put our joy in Him because He is incorruptible and what He gives us will not fade. Now we know that we as Christians certainly do have promises and gifts from God to rejoice in, things that never change. We must understand the great need to rejoice always in our lives. My first point for why we must always rejoice in life is because we will go through trials and hardships in our lives. You know, there's certainly a need because life at times is just absolutely terrible. You know, there's going to be times that 
we have to look to the joy of the Lord that never changes in our lives, and we have to trust in Him. And through our trusting comes joy, as we talked about earlier in Romans 15. If we don't put our joy in things that never change, we are going to crumble in the cares of this life, and we simply won't make it. Oftentimes, we put our joy or our trust in things that do change. And all that is going to do is disappoint us in our lives. The only thing in our lives that will, not, that will not change is God and what He gives to us. When we are going through hard times, we need the joy of the Lord because it will help us. Turn to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8, verse 10. It says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, here Nehemiah describes what the joy of the Lord is. He says, it is our strength. And you know, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then we most certainly should rejoice always in the Lord if it is going to be strength to us. When everything goes bad in our lives and we have nothing in it, we know that we do have a place in Christ and that, and that has to be what keeps us going. You know, rejoice in the security that He brings us when trials get tough in our lives and find strength through that. Not only are we to rejoice to conquer our trials, the Bible tells us to rejoice for even being able to undergo them. So turn to James 1. James 1. James 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, here we are commanded to count it joy when we fall under, under trials. But why? How am I going to count it joy when I fall under trials? Well, it answers that in verse 3. It produces endurance. It produces patience. And through that patience, it says in verse 4, let it have its perfect work. In other words, other translations say it makes us mature. Our trials produces endurance and growth in our lives. So try not to get discouraged in our life when we go through trials and rejoice and see the good in them. Now hearing these statements is hard because we know how hard it is when we are put through trials. And just saying to rejoice in them is so much easier said than done. But thankfully, we can look to godly men in the Bible who have done exactly this, and we can learn from them. The first man I want to look at real quick is Paul. So turn back to 1 Thessalonians 5.16, the verse telling us to rejoice always. You know, we might ask the question, Paul, how can you say to rejoice? You know, my life is always so hard, and I can't simply rejoice in it. But from this statement by Paul here, we must realize that we have to and that it is. Because, you know, think about Paul for a second. You know, when he said this to, first Thessalon to the Thessalonians, you know, what was he going through? You know, Paul was going through major, major trials. You know, just to name a, 
name a, a few. You know, Paul was constantly being persecuted for what he believed. He's gone through beatings. He was stoned. And he was shipwrecked three times. And that's not even mentioning everything he was through. That's just some of it. You know, after all this, how can you say rejoice always, Paul? Turn to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Here we will see Paul's attitude toward his trials. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10, it says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest in me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. No, just a little context for this verse here. Paul is asking God to take away his thorn in the flesh. The thing that makes him weak. And the Lord's response in verse 9 is, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, Paul takes that and he says, Well, if God is made perfect in my weakness, then I will take pleasure in my hardships in life, as we see in verse 10. You know, why could Paul say that? Because because the Lord is his strength, and he made perfect through Paul's weakness. Paul says, well, then I rejoice in my trials. You see, Paul got it. You know, Paul understood. Paul understood the good that can come from hardships, and that's why he can boldly say, rejoice always, and we must do the same. Now let's take another man who rejoiced in his trials. That man is Jesus. You know, when you think of our Savior on earth and all the trials he went through, it's just astonishing that he was able to get through all of that, blameless and without reproach. You know, think of all the stuff that he went through. You know, he was in that desert, not eating for 40 days, and then then Satan comes and tempts him. And what does he do through all that? He conquers it. And then, think of all the people who simply wouldn't take... The, the gospel that he lived and breathed, they wouldn't take it and they mocked him for it. And finally, we think of his crucifixion. What was Jesus' attitude through all that? <clears throat> Turn to Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2, it says, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wait a minute. Jesus, how can you say it was all joy to die on the cross? It was all joy to go through everything you did in your life. But then again, happiness and joy are not the same. You know, Jesus saw the joy from dying on the cross because he finished our faith and he saved us through that. And that's what got him through his trials. He saw the joy in something that most people can't when going through trials. Let us be more like Jesus and Paul in rejoicing always in our lives. My second point for the need to rejoice always is that it simply cures us. So turn to Proverbs 17. 
Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 22. It says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. You know, here we see simply that having a merry heart or a joyful one will simply cure us. And we should by now understand how true that statement is. How we talked, how we talked about how it can help us through our hardships. Or in other words, cure us from our trials. Turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Here we'll see what rejoicing always and how it can cure a specific thing in our lives. Philippians 4, 4 through 6, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You know, I think the way this text is set up is very interesting. Because Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And then right after that, he says, don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. And I think he said that because, you know, making the conscious choice to rejoice always is the direct opposite of what anxiety is in our life. Anxiety tells us to give into that worry. But making the choice to do the, ex- the exact opposite will directly change and distract your mind away from the earthly anxieties that you're giving into. Rejoicing always can cure many things in our lives. You know, now that we know why we should rejoice always as Christians and the need to rejoice always, for the rest of this sermon this morning, I just want to give us two simple things that we can do in our lives to have joy, and the lesson will be yours. Number one, look to the future. You know, we talked about this earlier when we looked at the example of Jesus. We saw how when he was persecuted, he looked to the, fu- to the joy that was set before him. He looked to the future. And through that, he endured the cross. You know, Jesus looked toward the future and he saw what was going to be the result in him enduring that pain. And he conquered while rejoicing in that. And you know, turn to Philippians 3. Turn to Philippians 3. We'll also see here what Paul did to rejoice always. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, it says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, not only did Jesus look toward the future, Paul did as well. He looked toward the goal that was ahead of him, the goal that was in his future, and he was able to rejoice because of that. The second, the second way we can rejoice always by looking to the future is, you know, look to heaven. You know, as we talked about a lot earlier in this lesson, you know, look to our future home with the Lord, and that will certainly help us to rejoice in our lives. Number two, the second way we can rejoice in our lives is just simply counting your blessings. You think of the song we always sing. The song says, count your blessings, name them one by one, 
and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You know, I think we often love that song because it's a great song. But have we ever just sat down and really listened to the song? I mean, when's the last time you sat down and just made a list of, of how God has blessed you in your life? And you know, if you haven't, I challenge us to do that today. Because I guarantee you that when you do that, you're not going to be able to list everything because you're not going to have a big enough page or you can't think of enough reasons why God has blessed us because he certainly has. Turn to Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, here we see this verse telling us not to forget all the things he's done for us. And then if you look further on in the chapter for 22 verses, it's just talking about all the blessings that the Lord has done for us. You know, the psalmist understood that we can't forget all of God's benefits, all his blessings. You know, we must make sure never to forget to count our blessings in life. Because if we do, we won't have anything to put our joy into. Instead, count our blessings because it's going to produce gratitude in our hearts. And we're going to see how much the Lord has done for us. And that will make us more thankful, more joyful. It's going to show us that the Lord always provides for us. That the Lord is our strength. When we are going through trials and we feel like nothing, count your blessings and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And we'll surely have joy from that. But always remember that even if any, everything on this earth fails us, you know, maybe it will. Maybe we have nothing to count our blessings in. No material blessings to count. But we always do have blessings. And those are the blessings up above. The things that God has given us that never change. Remember in our lives that we have a hope. We have a salvation to rejoice in as a constant. Understand in our life that we must always rejoice in the Lord if we want to overcome it, our trials. Always remember to rejoice. Remember that when we go through hard times, we must find the joy in it. Understand that rejoicing always is a cure to us in our lives. And there are certainly reasons why Paul just told that, us that message, to rejoice always. That's basically all I have for us tonight. <clears throat> But I want to offer an invitation. An invitation for those who don't have the privilege to always rejoice in their life. They don't have anything, you don't have anything in your life to rejoice in. But understand that you can if you just come to the Lord. And you realize that. You realize you need Him. Well, come forward today as there is water here and be baptized. And I also want to offer another invitation. You know, if you are a Christian and the weight of this world just dragging you down, bearing on you. And you just can't find that light that God is shining. And you're not rejoicing in Him anymore. Then come forward today as we stand and sing. <clears throat>